It has just passed 18 hours, 30 minutes and 36 seconds East African time. Time for John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 16th of November, 2022. Hello and welcome. Good people, we are all accustomed to receiving viral messages on our phones these days. I received one recently, which read in summary, The level of violent crimes across Nairobi is really frightening. Kenyans are being attacked, maimed and stabbed to death. The rise in the level of violent crime is very disturbing. Directly implicated in that concern are the police, whose role in any society is to help maintain public order and safety, to enforce the law, and to detect, investigate, and hopefully prevent criminal activities. Our own police force has always had the motto, Utumishi kwa wote, or service to all. But does it actually inspire a sense of security among the populace? Our guest, attached to a government authority, knows more than most of us about policing in the country. And first off, I would like him to listen to responses to the question we put out there for this episode. Do you think that the police are servants to all? Jay, unafikiri polisi wetu ni watumishi kwa wote? In the police, it's supposed to be a service to the public, but the training goes around as a force. Hata kufanya kazi na serikali ni ngumu. Na police, hata jeshi, yote inikuwa na hituwa nyapu. Nyapu wa kikwetu ni kumanisha adui. It has changed whereby most of the locals, instead of going to the wazes to deliberate, to sort out the issues, they are now coming to police station. The cases are investigated and justice is served. The officers tend to also validate the importance of involving or enhancing community policing at community level. So it's two-way, civilians and the police officers. It is unfortunate that people within Kenya are still having, uh, being tortured and we still have enforced disappearances. There's been a trend within Madare of uh, extrajudicial killings by ununiformed police officers walking in private vehicles. You'll find that the number plate in front is different from the one at the back. Mpelelezi or investigator. Well, for me personally, I'm hearing the word nyap or adui. Adui is Kiswahili for enemy, but nyap certainly for the first time. What do you think of those comments? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Yes, uh, the people have spoken. They have said everything about our National Police Service, the characteristics of our officers. Now, is it a service? Is it a force? Is it serving the people? That is what they really want to understand. But may I say this, that the issues raised are actually very peculiar. It is common to us all Kenyans. 
as we interact each and every day with our policemen in uniform yeah it is surprising uh, that uh, police would ordinarily use private vehicles when they are pursuing uh, the criminals or when they are on duty yeah that may not be the best thing to do it has happened yes it has happened uh, i also want to identify myself uh, with the issue of community policing because that is the way to go when it comes to policing our country uh, the aspect of community policing is good and it's good for this nation it's good for the police this is the the nexus between the public and the police where they can share information towards fighting crimes uh, it's also unfortunate that yes the country has recorded several cases of enforced disappearances yes we all had the head of state the other day talking about this saying that this has to come to an end and indeed we as a people of Kenya should support this idea where people are forced to disappear and they cannot be seen we all know of the yala incidences investigations are ongoing and we believe that the government is going to come to the bottom of this um particularly when it comes to using private number plates it is so unfortunate that uh, our officers would resort to that kind of unprofessional conduct it is so unprofessional but we will call upon uh, the inspector general to rein on those officers our people need to provide information they need to talk to the leadership of the national police service that this is exactly what the officers on the ground are doing uh, if we choose not to speak it means then the problem will not go away uh, we know there are many investigative agencies and they have heard what the people are saying and I'll call upon them to actually deal with those issues so that we have a national police service that is actually offering service to the people now for the tortured in madare extrajudicial killings uh, what i would say about extrajudicial killing is that this is killing that is not sanctioned through the legal process it is just wanton killing where because of issues here and there uh, then there's extrajudicial killing i'll also implore the national police service members to always adhere to the law so that they are accountable to their actions as they deal with the issues of criminals each and every day mpelelezi i this is a bit of a minefield conversation i can work that out for myself but i'd go back i think in the minutes to follow i can give you a sense of order by saying at some point we might discuss the history of the police going back especially for a young audience where it all began maybe you might know something about that and then we'd progress to a much more incisive analysis of the challenges that the police face and then in the last 15 minutes or so to suggest possible solutions but what is coming through what has come through clearly
in those responses is that a great majority of the people are scared of the police. The police incite fear. It's not someone whom I'm going to ask how to cross the road or what that sign means in an unknown city. It's someone whom I feel is going to pull me aside and try to find fault with me, not to try to help me, but to find that I've done something wrong so that ultimately he may solicit a bribe. That's my own experience. Maybe it's other people's, but uh, a policeman is not a friend. Is that misplaced? Am I experiencing this alone? Yes, thank you. Uh, I will not call it misplaced, uh, but that is an experience, as you said. Uh, there are many other people who will talk good of members of the National Police Service. They may have had an issue which was sorted out. And of course, uh, what such a person will do is that uh, they'll praise the National Police Service staff. Uh, then we have where you have had a bad experience with a bad cop. And what happens ordinarily is that you develop fear and you really start hating that policeman. And because they all wear similar uniform, we all see them, the way they talk, they speak, and then we are biased to think that uh, but just, sorry, they are just, all bad. Sorry, just wait a minute. Uh, one of the things I'm talking about where if this is a program dedicated to some form of civic education, isn't the understanding, even in Hollywood movies that we see on a daily basis, that the policeman should be able to declare his identity. Uh, now, I believe we're going to get these wonderful cameras like New York City, and there'll be... But it, it, I don't feel that uh, people says, I'm so-and-so, and this is my rank and number, and this is the problem. They remain a secret. Yes, that's a gap. I agree with you. And it's a gap that we've retained over 59 years of in independence that the, our police can't declare themselves. It's a bit of a long time to have a gap. Yes, well, when you look at what is happening currently, uh, we have what is known as the reforms within the National Police Service. Uh, look at the history no, of let's not, service. Let's not look at the history just yet. Remember, we've agreed we're going to come back. We're still in direct reference to the comments that we've just made, where we're saying the police are not our friends, like a kid would say. We'll come back to the history. I'm saying uh, is it not incumbent upon them to announce their, to declare who they are and their status and their station, etc., etc.? I agree with you. They ought to declare that I am so-and-so. Right. I am here for this purpose. If it is arresting you, so be it. And the officer needs to mention the offense that you have committed. Right. Uh, this may not be happening in Kenya. Of course, you know our people. We know ourselves. <laughs> That's uh, a good response. We know ourselves. Uh, yes. Okay. This is the way we are. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, in most cases, we are ignorant. We do not know our rights. We do not know uh, a lot of things about what the kind of behavior that is expected of us when we are dealing with the police. So some shrewd police officers, some rogue ones, will take advantage of that 
to harass, to intimidate, and even to ask for bribes. I, I'll take you up on, on that one thing. So you're driving along merrily, uh, and the idea is that you've committed a crime, and the police officer, male or female, says, you know, let me get into your vehicle, let me take away your driving license, and sits beside you to lead you to whatever station. Surely that also is not allowed. But the bigger question, because I'm not here to sort of put you to a Spanish Inquisition, the larger intellectual question is how are the bad eggs going to be weeded out? You've described them as rogue politicians. So there's nobody's going around saying, hey, look at me, I'm a rogue politician. How are we going to tell one mob from the other? Yeah, thank you. Uh, for that group to be weeded out, to be done away completely, it means we have to be ready to make complaints uh, to their seniors, uh, to internal affairs unit. We have the independent policing oversight authority. They will deal with all those cases. Uh, of course, in every society, we normally say every every market has a madman. It's not unique. Even in the National Police Service, it is a family. And you have good people and you have bad people. And the role of those institutions... So are you, are, so, sorry, uh, Pelelezi, are you suggesting that if we, as an investigator, Pelelezi, if we were to do a mathematical, statistical analysis, you're saying to me uh, in conversation that the number of good cops far outweighs the bad. Correct. Okay. You heard the minister there say, talk about 2% that we need to weed out 2%. So the government, those two, that 2% group is actually shaming the government. And that's why we have those institutions to deal with them. Okay, a good time for our first break. Thank you very much. Let's move on, Pelelezi, to the whole idea of um, the history. Now, um, okay, the police. We got to this point before we start analyzing where the rain started beating us. Where did our force begin and how has it evolved, hopefully positively? Yes, uh, previously, uh, way back in 19... or six, 1907, uh, that is when the Kenya Police Force was born. Uh, it started as a unit, just a small unit, to offer security uh, when the railway was being constructed in this country. And it was mainly made up of uh, very few Africans and the Indians. But before that, you realize when the There was a scramble for Africa. That's around 1885 to 1887. Yes. There was the Imperial British East African Company uh, that brought a few people to be security officers. And that is where we can trace back uh, the issue of law enforcement, Kenya police. Uh, now, in 1907, that is when now the government... the colonial government decided that it will be good for this nation now to have a structured way of giving security. Well, it wasn't a nation yet. It was a protectorate, as you're saying. 
Yeah, the protectorate. Right, the British protectorate. Right. Yes. So, siku za ukoloni ziko. Hizo enzi za zamani. Take us back. Yes. Now, when they did that, they indeed uh, formed a group of rifled men and women uh, just to take care of the Kenyan railway for the goods that were being transited from Mombasa all the way to the hinterland. Now, by around 1926, when there was the First World War, that is when now uh, it took shape and there were various laws. You remember before, if you look at the history of Kenya, Uh, the kind of laws that came into this nation were actually Indian laws. They were not Kenyan. So the penal code belonged to India, the criminal procedure code, India, and it was called the ordinance uh, laws at that time. So well, we that, had the that, ordinance that, that's police. A that's a revelation to me, Mpelelezi, because I always thought that we were copying the British, we were copying the United Kingdom. Uh, British law, British ordinances, you're saying no. But I guess Indian law was an adjunct of... British law as well. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, as you, we all know that uh, Kenya police force grew in stature and in the number of people. Uh, and by the time we had independence, we now had a fully-fledged Kenya police force, which was made up of purely Africans. You remember after no, the sorry, first... I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm going to take you back to public perceptions. We go back to the, the days of Mau Mau, uh, uh, 1950s. I'm trying to say maybe the nature of the child, the child growing up, has morphed into the adult that we have today. Because in the days of Mau Mau, nobody wants to look back to Africans who were part of the police force with any sense of pride. Because they were on the side of the colonizer. They were bandying up their fellow men and taking them off to concentration camps and the like. So already, the member of the police force, look at my initial preoccupation, is a person accustomed to using force, accustomed to bullying people, not to helping people. I agree with you that uh, during that time, actually the police were used to oppress the Africans uh, against pro pursuing their rights. You remember, before independence, our lands were taken away. Uh, people were taken into concentration camps. Uh, freedom of movement was curtailed. And the people who assisted, the colonialists, were actually uh, the police. So police, uh, by culture, became oppressive and i think all those symptoms and characteristics were transferred all the way up to 2008 when we woke up now as a nation and then it was say that it is a high time that uh, this institution needs to change into a force and then it becomes a service let's go back to the again in those days if you look at the pictures Uh, the force being made up of Europeans, uh, South Asians, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the leadership at the top being uh, non-African, so to speak. But this has changed so that the force is entirely African. Does that mean it has no appeal to other minorities in Kenya? No white Kenyan wants to be an inspector, no white South Asian? 
wacha wakae tu peke yao na polisi yao mm, okay thank you uh, i think what you are saying could be true most of those minority groups from those races probably they do not want to be part and parcel of uh, our national police service but i know of a few who are in the service probably one or two indians uh white men and the reason could be very simple that uh they do not wish to be part and parcel of part and parcel of the service uh of course it's 100% Kenyan may, may, maybe because it's so ill paid maybe because it doesn't put you know sausages and bacon on the table or i don't know pilau and at uh, chicken tikka isn't that a problem the idea of poor remuneration and therefore people who aren't psyched to deliver a good service because they're so poorly paid maybe those are the reasons you have actually stated uh, could be poor pay could be the the behavior of some of the national police service members is not appealing to them so at that level uh, and of course expectations also what do they expect if they join the service then what do they expect now we have grown seeing that it is purely made up of africans and those are kenyans uh we are not used to seeing other races in it okay so let let that rest because you know we have time isn't on our side let's go for these big milestones i'm asking as you progressed in the history of the police since independence what about the training of our police officers because you have to go to police training college so we're looking at the notion of education do we have the most educated police people that we could have you read that somebody in the police force has got a phd so that means they're educated but what about the person who's harassing me on the side of the mombasa to nairobi road yeah thank you uh what i can say about that is that uh, it's not about the educational level it is about the curriculum and the training remember uh the members of the national police service go through military type of training so we need to change that as a country so that it is centered on civilian policing it is centered on issues of human rights as opposed to the previous one where the initial training is actually military type and the approach now to coming to police the people would be very different and that's why we have a disconnect between the members of the national police service and the common populace because they don't understand one another uh, many yes we have seen officers with phd's with degrees with masters level uh diplomas but the question would be why are they not helping why are they not changing so the issue could be traced back to the training what were they trained on and if they were trained then what are they practicing why are they behaving the way they are So those are some of the questions that as a nation we need to think. But to me it's also about attitude. I can tell you for free that uh, when our officers are being trained uh there is always a distinction that they are told that uh they now cease being rayas and they have become police officers. That alone when it comes to changing the mindset of a person 
affects greatly because at the end of it, when that officer passes out and joins the population, how does he see the common man? This is Araya and I'm different from that person. And people bear the brand of being called Raya. It is not used in a very good context. It is used in such a manner that it is derogatory. It is demeaning. So officers take themselves and believe that they are a bit, little bit special because of their trading. And this person called Raya is supposed to be subdued. Okay. So if we don't change that attitude as a country, as a nation, through the curriculum and training so that we are human rights centered, uh, we may not be able to reach far. But thank God because we have the police reforms working group and they are working on those aspects and they are working in engineering the curriculum and ensuring that the kind of software that is now put on the officer's head is one that can deliver for this nation and not one that actually breaks away a police officer from the mass of the people yes and i, I think also yes the, sorry uh, and i think also we citizens we need also to understand the police officers where they're coming from if you are arrested for having committed a crime and uh, the next thing you need to do is agree to be arrested do not cause chaos so some of our behaviors as citizens sometimes is what brings the conflict between police officers and the common populace. Because some people totally refuse uh, to be arrested. You find the citizens, they come, they do not want the officers to arrest and they start lynching the police officers. What happens at that time? There's going to be a scaffold and probably some people will be injured. And who takes the name badly? whose brand will go down, it is that of the police officer. Well, the, the, the thing to note here is that one group of people is armed and has the propensity to kill, and the other is just showing a bit of bravado and saying, you know, don't take away my cousin, don't take away my brother. So it's not, it's not an equal fight. It's not a fight among equals. Yeah, it is true. It's not a fight among equals, but we should know as citizens that... Uh, the monopoly to use violence granted by law is by the National Police Service. And we've given them that, that they ought to arrest and arrest accordingly. But the moment we, res we, res we do not restrain ourselves and we now try to prevent them from arresting, that is where the whole problem is. So it is two-way traffic. But I think officers now uh, needs to be trained more on how to handle such situations in the event that uh, they are now faced with that kind of situation then the training should be able to be tailored so that they can handle that yes the riot uh, I mean the the, the the training itself should be able to uh, overcome all those challenges I'm hearing you loud and clear thank you very much I am taking away at this point that we're going to change, we should, we ought to change the manner in which we train our police force. Time for a break. Capital FM. 
Mpelelezi, we're back. And just for those who joined us, we're talking, we're being apologists for the shortcomings of our police force. And in so doing, I'm wondering, Mpelelezi, where we can take this next segment to look at some of the challenges that face them. And I don't know whether you finished your analysis, do forgive me, about the past, but where's that sort of Chinua Achebe type phrase? When did the rain begin to beat us? Why is there so much crime? Can it be put down to the simple, there are more people, uh, more young people without jobs, people disaffected, so they go around doing bad things? Where did the rain actually beat us? Mm-hmm. I think we all know the answer. Uh, you have mentioned the issue of unemployment. Unemployment in this country is uh, at another level. Uh, we all know that late 2019, 2020 and 2021, we were battling with the corona pandemic. Now, most institutions collapsed, most businesses collapsed, uh, and when they collapse, they go with people. They become unemployed, there's no source of income. And in this 2022, we have seen a resurgence of uh, crime within our towns and our cities, especially Nairobi and Nakuru. Now the question would be, why are, who are these engaging in crime? What is pronounced in the media, what we see, what we hear, is that these are young men on motorbikes. They come, they snatch you, they knife you, and they do all sorts of things. And they take your mobile phone or even the contents of your back. Yes, that's crime. Now, somebody then would say, what is it? Is it that the police are not able to deal? Is it that this is a challenge that they do not understand? They do. But as you said, the National Police Service has a myriad of challenges, including issues of remuneration. Uh, It is common knowledge that officers do not have sufficient money, enough, to continue maintaining them. So this could be a demotivator, a demoralizing issue. Could it also be the work environment? Could they be overloaded? Could they be working beyond hours and they are so tired that they are not able to deal with this? Could it be the issue of police leadership that they are just sitting in offices and they are not giving instructions to the junior officers? They are not assessing the areas where they are they are um, policing. Mpelelezi, we're both Kenyan. We know the, the, the well-known um, story about the police boss uh, actually instructing the junior officers to go back and make sure that they come with enough money to d- donate to him at the end of the day and then he doesn't care, care about the rest. The same, the Matatu owner does the same, says, you know, take out my Matatu, go wherever you wish as long as today's profit is such and such. So you're going, you talked about attitude. Uh, I want I, I want to address you. Again, let's not take this conversation to the level of sort of whipping ourselves and you know, how does one change a national culture? For you, whose job it is to be part of changing that culture, how, how do you change the way I perceive the world? 
maybe my great aim is to mug you and take away your smartphone. But how do you change that? And where does the change begin? Or are we just to allow things to take their own course and somehow there'll be milk and honey or some sort of image at the end? That's what's exercising my mind. Not what exists, but how to change it. Yeah, changing something that has been there for some time may also take that time. It is normally said that uh, if something goes wrong within, let's say, 10 years, you need another 10 years to correct that. And that could be true. Uh, changing the culture takes oh, a long time because it means changing, if it's the National Police Service, it means changing the attitude of the members of the National Police Service. And sorry, if, if, if I may be so rude, that in, t- in changing the culture, we also have this dread word, which is now like a sort of three-piece suit, impunity. Young people do not see leaders being brought to book. They're more likely to see leaders being let off. They have heinous crimes sort of hanging over their necks and they read the next headline and everything has disappeared. Oh, you had this money investigation, it's gone away. So I'm I'm pleading for the for the young of this country, uh we as their babas and mamas are giving them the wrong example. Uh chapter ten of the constitution talks about leadership and integrity. And we have institutions that have been created merely for that purpose to ensure that that part is enforced. We have the Ethics and Anti-Corruption Act. Now, you see that there is goodwill for most people, from most leaders, that this ought to be done. Now, integrity is a personal. Now, when you have leaders who are not good and who do things the wrong way, uh, people lose faith in them. And they will say, okay, so-and-so is doing ABCD now. And that's what breeds impunity, that you know so-and-so because the leader is doing this, I can as well do the same. But uh, for us Kenyans now, this is not a one-man show. It has to be collective responsibility that we have to decide as a country. Sorry, can I show show another image? I, 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 I sincerely hope that we can have these conversations as Kenyans who see what we see and read what we read. If you go to YouTube, Facebook, all these posts, they will show the person coming out of a store with a bag full of goodies, immediately surrounded on camera, captured on uh, some kind of camera, uh, mugged, uh, brought to the ground, uh, young lady with handbag. But the rest of us, in which I include myself, are just sort of standing by as if this is some kind of cinema show. So we don't have uh, a, a sense of outrage where the good Samaritan is actually... I'm prepared to risk my life so that you don't get stabbed. What I am prepared to do as a Kenyan is to watch you getting stabbed and go along my way because I'm busy hustling for the next day. Is that a savage indictment of Kenyans or is everybody in the world like us? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. For our country, that could be it. Now, you're talking about hopelessness and a don't-care attitude. I think that's where we have gone as Kenyans, that uh, when you see your friend going through a certain experience with a criminal or something, you just keep quiet because it's not 
you become unconcerned. Uh, now, when it comes to issues of managing crime, the police should do that. And it is a must because it's the law that says they need to manage crime. They go for training to manage crime, to detect and do all that. But when they lax a bit, and that's why we see that uh, they are not available when crimes are being committed. Uh, they're supposed to be accountable to their areas of operations and to assist the people to manage this crime. And I'm telling you that if the criminal justice system does a good job, then the culture of the people, that hopelessness, uh, that faith will come back. Sorry, I'm going to draw you on that statement, if I may. Do permit me. If the criminal justice system does its job, that seems to suggest to me that it's not doing its job properly now. So fill in the gaps, if you would. There could be gaps, because the question we would ask ourselves is, what is happening? Why are all these things like that? Why do we see crime? Why aren't the police uh, arresting these criminals and taking them to court? But they ought to use shortcuts. Probably, if they come around, they would probably even kill a criminal. That criminal needs to go through the criminal justice system. Now, when there is a break somewhere, then there is a problem because we are not going through all that. But basically, when it comes to managing crime, it is the people and the police. The police needs to receive information from the people and they need to deal with that crime fairly and squarely. If I may just draw you on, on another image, there was a great thinker, a political thinker, who wrote a book that I read in my youth, who said that if we have ethnicity, if we have tribalism, if we have divisions, in the counties, now that we have a county system of government, one of the things that we should put into consideration is that the police from a particular region, which is predominantly uh, inhabited by a certain language group, that the police, the law enforcers, should be people from that population. So that the takeaway is that you would be less likely to extort from your brother, to rape your sister, to rape your auntie. But if you're deployed from here, and I come from wherever I come from, and all of a sudden I find myself in Kapsabit, I'm more likely to take advantage of the people because they're not close to me. So do we, the spirit of Ubuntu, if we went down to South Africa, Ubuntu, Africa's time, our Africa, we've lost the spirit of Ubuntu. So, sorry for the unfair question. Have you thought about this? How to retain the ways and mores of your people? Mpelelezi, your own people, have they, have they been lost over time? I'm encouraging you to blame something or somebody. What do I say about that? Now, when it comes to Ubuntuism, ah, yes, uh, that could be a very good model if it is going to work in this country. But why aren't we doing that as a nation? Uh, because no, you're I'm, asking me the questions. I want I'm you to provide the answers. My, I'm asking myself. Exactly. <laughs> okay, go so, for it. Yeah, the reason why I think that's not being done is because our National Police Service is national. It is not domiciled within counties. It is meant for the national government. 
uh, and to offer that service countrywide. So, and we are all Kenyans, and we can serve, the police officers can serve you in any part of the country. Because if you go to all these places in those counties, you find that uh, there, there are staff members of the National Police Service who come from those counties and they serve in those counties. At one point, uh, they could be transferred elsewhere. So you find that there is a mix. And there is a good thing when you have a mix. Because uh, uh, there are some other things. Uh, for, for example, if you work in your own village where you have your mother, uh, your, your brother, your sister who commits crime, then how do you deal with that? It becomes very difficult. Uh, but when you have somebody from outside who will be fair and stand firm and arrest this person, then it becomes so easy. So I think the, 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 the police can, needs can, to think about all the models. Uh, there is great merit in your, in your counter-argument that, um, yeah, uh, there's a greater sense of fairness maybe brought in by the outsider. But that's uh, another good point at which to stop and have a break. We're talking about the state of policing in our country and Mpelelezi, first of all, do forgive me if I'm making you a sort of a sacrificial lamb for a situation that has pertained for decades. But you're here and we're having a chat. In this final segment, I'd like us to look to the S word, solutions. And um, first of all, allow you to speak unencumbered. We like... Uh, elucidation, elaboration is our motto. Give us some solutions to the state in which we find ourselves now. Yes, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Article 244 of the Constitution uh, talks about having a professional service that is disciplined and is well managed. Now, for us to achieve that as a people, as a country, uh, we need to go back to see where the rain started beating us. Uh, we've talked about training, that we need to have our officers trained well. And the training should not just end at the initial training. It should be something that is continuous, that is targeted. And there sh should be so many refresher courses all the time. What will the training do? The training is going to uh, to introduce new ways of doing policing. Uh, I mean, you'll be bringing in, uh, you'll be doing a curriculum that is uh, people-centered, uh, good for policing, and bringing the police to the people. Uh, another thing is, of course, we all know that we need to improve the terms and conditions of our members in the service. Uh, they should get good pay. Uh, they should be able to access uh, excellent insurance facilities. I mean, medical facilities, good insurance schemes. Uh, of course, uh, they should be able to be helped in one way or another deal with their issues. They should be cancelled because they got through a lot of trauma in their work, a lot of work, working and all that. So the work environment as I say, should be improved. Uh, you cannot just go to an office without tools. So the tooling and kitting 
and having the right equipment and tools for their job should be considered. Uh, if it is a rainy day, they should have appropriate tools and equipment to use during that rainy day. If there is a for crowd control, they should not just go with firearms, but they should have the right tools to be able to deal with those situations. Uh, another one is they should be encouraged through training, uh, of course, not only offered by themselves, but even other actors, other key stakeholders uh, who can come in and give another third eye on how the policing can be improved. So there should be things to do with the rule of law, number one. Then number two, human rights issues, handling of prisoners and all that. And then another thing that is not very common in this country is that we need to learn from best practices. There are other jurisdictions worldwide whom their police services are excellent. So we need our men in uniform to proceed to those countries. And then they can learn something one way or another to come and improve the way we do policing in this country. Uh, the issue of research. The, the National Police Service collects a lot of data about trends, about how crime is committed, even how the officers behave. But that data is rarely utilized to shape issues of policing. Now, when we have a research unit within the National Police Service, I know there are few that are mentioned as crime research, uh, but it needs to be strengthened and enhanced to be able to actually utilize those findings in improving the policing standards of our country. And then last but not least, uh, when it comes to recruitment, that is the beginning of everything, that people to be recruited into the National Police Service must be people of high integrity. Oh no, don't say that, because you can't look at me, Pelelezi, just across this room and say, oh gosh, I'm being interviewed by an interview of high integrity. You go, What's the judgment scale? Are you going to put us through some sort of psychological test to prove that we're honest and men of integrity? People always say that. We're going to find people of high integrity. How? Uh, I know people change. They go, they are good, and then they change over time. But the beginning is recruit people of high integrity. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to, to un, you know, the wonderful American phrase, to unpack that statement. How do you recruit and be aware that you are recruiting a person of integrity? Yeah, one of the things is that uh, we have institutions which can do vetting of such individuals. Uh, we ha like the National Intelligence Service. Mm. Uh, they can be sent to go back and do vetting and give a report and say this person is good. On the same note, uh, we all come from certain jurisdictions. Uh, we dwell in certain places uh, where we are as a community. We live within communities. So uh, during vetting, then... Uh, whoever is doing that can go back to those communities and inquire about the conduct of this person. Uh, that is how you can... This, is a, this, is, a, this is a very lengthy process. I, I'm sure you don't know the number of policemen we have in this country, Mpelelezi, uh, and, I, and I don't want you to, to draw you on that. I can see where you're coming from, but you're going to say that each and every police 
person in this country has a huge file on their backstory, uh, and uh, I don't think that's the case. Because are you talking about the introduction of IT and technology to have a tremendous data bank on the origins, education, and track record of our police officers? in the same way that your Uber driver is going to tell you that he's had 3,950 trips, you will say, you know, uh, Mpelelezi was once caught extorting on Kenyatta Avenue. I think that is where we are going as a nation, that uh, having been born, the rest should follow suit. Currently we... So you're actually, you're encouraging what was caught when we're reading sort of books like 1984 and everything, you are actually in favor of a police state where the, 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 the somebody somewhere knows more about you than you know about yourself. They've got CCTV cameras everywhere. That's, you know, we've got your fingerprints. And this is the way to go in a large society. It might impinge on individual liberties, but it is the way to go. You're on file somewhere. Big Brother is watching you. Correct. That is the way to go for this nation. If we are to deal with some of the small issues that we have currently, especially crimes and the way people behave. But you see, if you are checked by the government, because that becomes, we all belong to the government. Uh, the government is us. And as a people, we can decide and say, this is where we want to go. And to avoid all those other issues, actually technology can sort out us here because we will know each and every person what are you doing uh, why are you doing that and the criminals will be will be found uh, but currently you see we are 50 50 uh, we do not know where we are uh, we have pockets of things here and there uh, data here in this organization and some data in this other one what ought to happen is that all this data is brought up together and managed probably by a single entity. And it will be good for law enforcement. And why am I saying that it is good for law enforcement to manage crime? Look at developed countries where uh, if I have to know you, it's just a one-stop shop. Probably I need your social security number and everything else about you. Yeah, we were going that way with Huduma number, then it disappeared. So we need another show. We need another show to go to what happened to Huduma. But, and that's not you. I'm sorry I brought that up. Continue. Yeah, thank you. I was uh, actually agreeing that uh, that is the way to go as a nation. Now, another solution that our members of the service needs to have is actually goodwill, goodwill from the people. If we accept that we have this service to police us, it's about legitimacy. Now, when we accept that the police are doing a good thing in the interest of all of us, then it becomes easier when they are performing policing duties. Uh, but in the event that we doubt their legitimacy, that's why we are having challenges between national police service members and the people. Right. And that, of course, will come, you know, it's a, it's a two-way traffic. Uh, you behave well, then I'll respect you for your good behavior. I just want you to draw in this very last uh, idea, because before you reveal your name as an individual, 
I know that you work for an oversight authority, but it's a civil oversight authority in as much as the individual, the citizen, is watching what the police are doing in order to encourage them to make investigations and if they fail. Uh, so it's a circle. I saw you doing something bad. I'm going to report to you because you've reported me. And that's what you do on a daily basis. But I don't ensure that the people who are committing the mistakes are brought to book. So the authority is serving no good purpose. Is that a terrible accusation? Yes, it's a terrible accusation. It is not true. Hmm. Uh, the authority is serving a good purpose. Explain how it does, how it works, and how it uh, arrives at, at good rather than bad. Yes, we all remember the events of 2007-2008 when our national police force was actually indicted for not doing a good job. And with the promulgation of the Constitution 2010, uh, it was decided that we have a civilian oversight to oversee the work of the National Police Service and to assist it in professionalizing the same. So far, it's over eight years since the inception of that institution, that is the IPOA, and it has done a tremendous job. It has been able to investigate. Are we here in the media that uh, certain police officers have been taken to court? Uh, they have made recommendations with regard to improving the service, and they have done a good job. Uh, but as I said earlier, that uh, the reform process is not just a walk in the park. It's not an event, but it's a process and it takes long. You remember the National Police Service has been in existence for almost a century. And there is a culture that has been developed. And that is what is now being currently uh, worked on, that there should be change in the manner in which uh, our National Police Service is run. Right. Uh, I, I accept that. There's only time enough for you to say uh, uh, you work where you work. Uh, the trick question, so many minutes on, is what is your name, Mpelelezi? My name is Emmanuel Lagarde. Right. And uh, for how long have you worked and how did you get to do what you do? What, what kind of preparation led to your present employ? Yeah, thank you. I've worked for the last uh, seven and a half years. Mm. Of course, I started working with the National Police Service. Uh, and at some point, I did cross to the civilian oversight, basically to ensure that the reform process is on course, because I do understand policing in and out. And of course, I have contributed positively we have to stop there. It's 19 hours, 29 minutes and 20 seconds. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. I've been talking to Emmanuel Lagat, who works at IPOA, the Independent Policing Oversight Authority. And you've been listening to 
John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Thank you most kindly for doing that. And until next time. <laughs>